consistently. There's some mistake. You know there is. You've never seen me before. They laughed uproariously. They had nice laughs, college boy laughs. She almost laughed with them, they were so merry. But each had a hand, ever so softly, under her elbow, and she couldn't stop walking. They were moving her, even while they laughed, down the street to the two half-lighted windows. In one, a swath of printed silk, in one, two antique vases and an ostrich plume. If you turned between the shop windows, you went down a slightest incline to the door. It was locked at six. You opened it with your latch key, stepped into a small parquet vestibule. You rang for the elevator and waited. It was a self-running elevator, like in hospitals and old French pensions. Maybe that was why she was nervous, hearing her heels noisy on Fifth Avenue at night. She didn't like the feel of being shut in that elevator. But nothing happened to her kind. You pushed the four button and the car stopped at four. And then you were safe in Khan's apartment, looking out of the windows, down at the cabs below, looking across the street, where tall silk hats and furs came out of a great hotel. She could say to these two, Listen to me, a joke is a joke, boys, but you know that you don't know me, and I don't know you, and I want to go home now. If you don't stop this nonsense, I'll speak to one of the drivers. Suppose they didn't stop it. She could even speak to the taxi drivers. And suppose they just laughed too, or ignored her, thought she was crazy. She knew what she would do. Walk past that entryway, pretend she lived farther on. Cross Madison, on the corner another hotel and a brightly lighted cocktail bar. She'd go in there and speak to someone. She didn't want to speak to the taxi drivers. They were at the entrance to Khan's. She moved her feet straight ahead, kept her eyes straight ahead, but two gloved hands, gently on her two elbows, veered her to the door. She said, You're making a mistake. I don't live here. They laughed softly, and the one on her left said, You wouldn't fool us, would you, Griselda? While the other opened her hand and took away her keys. He had the door open and held it for her. She didn't know what to do. She could run, she could scream, but she couldn't do either. She was afraid. It was a dream, and whatever she did, there would be one on either side of her making her turn their way. But this couldn't be real. She'd never seen either of them before. If she could reach the bells and push gigs... He might be at home, although he wasn't usually in this early. But one stood between her and the bells. She was almost tearful with helpless rage. I don't know why you're acting this way. You don't know me. You know you don't. Hands walked her inside. Others closed the door. They were on either side of her again, and one rang for the elevator. She could hear it creaking its way down the shaft. One said to the other, I don't think Griselda likes us.
The other put out his lower lip. I don't know why. We like us. They had such nice faces, as much as she could see of them, with the hats tilted over their eyes, the scarves high to their chins. One held the elevator door. The other said, You first, Griselda. But his hand was still soft on her arm while she stepped in. They followed, closed the door. One pushed button four. She was cold now. I don't know what this is all about. I don't know how you found out my name or where I'm staying, but I do think you're carrying a joke too far. She had a fleeting suspicion that perhaps this was Khan's idea of sport or gigs. No, but not gig. He was too serious.